This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Good morning, Chuck. What's new in your world? Well, I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Getting ready for football on Friday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday all over again. Got a lot of it coming up. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting time uh, for, for Arkansas right now. I look back at the last couple of years. Two years ago, you're playing to hopefully make a January 1st bowl game. Last year, trying to make a better bowl game. And this year, it's, you know, the, we know that Sam Pittman's going to be the head coach. Um, I guess, you know, what, is, what does Friday mean uh, do you think for this football team? Well, this is the bowl game. You know, this is the bowl game. And this is the last time they're going to play together. So this is it right here. And that's the way you have to treat it. I don't know if they use the term bowl game or not, but I think the approach is about the same. You know, Matt, you've been there. I mean, every team looks different the next year. I, I don't think I've ever seen a team that looked identical from one season to the next in terms of players, coaches, whatever. And I think there's the reality that this is this is the end of the road. This is it. And so I think it's a meaningful game from that standpoint. I don't know how they're going to play, but um, I know that, you know, when you play a game, when you play a football game particularly, uh, you better come to play because not only can you get beat, you can get hurt. So I would think they would come prepared to play. Yeah, it's another opportunity. You're you're always excited about a about another opportunity. Uh, Chuck, were were you excited? I was a little excited what I saw out of uh, Isaiah Gustav. Uh, what what do you think of uh, looking at him last Saturday? He's a player. I mean, he is a player, and you can tell when he runs the ball that he knows exactly what he's doing, and he's very instinctive. You know, in the way he performed on Saturday, you know, and I hate to. I don't want to make this sound like I'm disparaging any of the running backs because I'm not. But I think when we saw him run Saturday, I think maybe, you know, it was an example that we tend to pin everything on the offensive line when the running game's not going correctly. But I saw a guy Saturday that broke tackles, that got yards after contact, um, and I, I, I just thought he's as good as we've seen in a while. Now, you know, I know he's, you know, he's, he hadn't played, so his legs are a little fresher than everybody else's, and he's not banged up like everybody else is. That's got something to do with it too, but this guy's a keeper now. Yeah, you're gonna, we're going to get to see some some running backs, uh, you know, A.J. Green and then uh, Dominic Johnson had that long touchdown run. Uh, that was good to see. Uh, you happy for him, and uh, it would be interesting to see, Chuck. I'm interested to see how this running game uh, goes against Missouri because Missouri, I mean, they're, they're they're a real football team. Well, I would imagine based on experience, Green will be the starter. I don't know that, but I would imagine that. But I would not be surprised at all at the end of the day if Isaiah's got the most carries. Um, you know, yeah, Missouri's good. I mean, when you're, I mean, when you're nine and two, you don't have to, you don't have to justify anything. I mean, your record speaks for itself. They've lived a charmed life this year. I mean, they have everything that's needed to go right for them has gone right for them. Kind of like a couple of years ago with the Razorbacks. A lot of things went right for them that they needed to go right. And Missouri's had that kind of year this year, and you have to give them credit for that. 
you know, we know Rockets season came to an end. He's got the, 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 the shoulder injury. And I think of any of the disappointments through the season. And, 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 and again, I, I'm, I hope this doesn't come across as, as any kind of like an attacking way towards Rocket. But he was preseason All-America. And we were talking about this is going to be catapulting him into the NFL. You know, and if it was previous years when NFL teams valued running backs differently, here's a first rounder. And, man, I mean, injuries, um, not a lot of holes to run through at times. Um, you know, I, I thought I was excited about him putting on added weight. I'm not saying that's the reason he's had injuries or anything, but maybe out of all the things this year on the football team, maybe the most disappointing is is the kind of season Rocket had and that we, maybe we never really saw him healthy at all. Well, I don't think we did. <clears throat> you know, I, I don't think he was really healthy in the Western Carolina game, to be honest with you. Um, otherwise, there wouldn't have been swelling the next day. So um, I don't think that stuff just comes out of the blue, you know. So I, I, I think there might have been something nagging there that, I mean, he might not have been telling anybody about it, but I've got to believe that, you know, there was something there. I just don't think we've ever seen him healthy this year. Um, obviously, the game at Florida is as close as he's been. Um, you know, that was, um, that was a big day for him. And then there was a setback. You know, in terms of uh, in terms of his injury situation, so um, yeah, that that's that's something I think you know people people counted on being a lot different. That's for sure. Chuck, have you heard anything on that that offensive lineman get that we got? And I, I know we're not looking for a savior, but we're looking for some linemen that can come in and and, and play and can c- compete. Do have you seen anything, or what what have you heard about him? Well, he's got to be the first of many. And I think this is, you know, this is what's going to be the story, really, uh, over the next couple of weeks, I think, for Arkansas. Um, What do they get out of the transfer portal? Uh, How are they working the NIL? How are they revamping that offensive line? I think it'll be completely revamped next year. Guys, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see just a total revamping on the offensive side of the ball. I think there are certain parts you keep, certain parts you'd be glad to have come back. But by the same token, um, you know, when, when, you, when you're in the position that they're in and you've scored as few points as they've scored this season, um, it's not just four or five guys. It's not just the offensive line. Now, we talked about the guy that could very well be the answer at running back in Augusta, but, man, you better get some more of those guys. You know, one's not enough, and you know you've uh, you've either got to develop what you've got, or you got to go get something better. And I think that the offensive line is going to be the key point, and this is the first step in a total revamp. And I think that you know that's what they've got in mind. And again, I, I'm I'm going to be interested to see how the next week, ten days play out in that regard. Well, they they totally rebuilt the defense you know, in this last offseason because of, you know, exactly the reasons that you're saying, but on the defensive side. I mean, they, and we've seen that on display, depth, strength in positions where there wasn't strength previously. And, and man, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do that on the offensive side. It's just when you read about it, and you've brought this up before, Chuck, and people who know um, <clears throat> about availability of players more than I do, say that, that the toughest place to find good talent is on the offensive line. I would think that's in high school recruiting too because everybody holds on to him as best you're as they possibly let, you're can. You're not going to let him go. It's yeah. tough. That's yeah. going to be the toughest thing you to know, rebuild. I'm going to tell you, um, I'm beginning to change my thoughts on that, and here's why. 
they're going to be among the most most valuable NIL properties out there. And, you know, this is, in many cases, highest bidder stuff. And so um, I think you will see more offensive linemen move. I think you'll see more of them transfer out and go from school to school because I think their value is increasing every day in the NIL. And um, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that I think they're going to be out there. I think there's going to be a lot of them out there. And I think Arkansas has got to, you know, from what Coach Pittman said yesterday about some things that may be coming down the pike, I think they're going to be in a position to go get them. Uh, but you got to go get real players there. You can't just go get bodies. you got to go get guys. And uh, this is going to be an NIL free-for-all during this transfer portal period. The transfer portal period and the NIL, it's going to be like that on steroids once this, NI- or once this portal period opens December 4th. And I think that, again, there's, there's going to be some total remake on a lot of teams. And the offensive side of the ball for Arkansas may be one of them. Yeah, I used the word investing yesterday. I felt my I felt like I was talking about a professional football team, even though I I I, I always resist against what well, we're doing an NFL model in college because it's not that. But yeah, I mean, it's directing resources, and and that man, I think I think there's been a really good point made about <clears throat> there's X amount of dollars that it would cost to turn over a coaching staff and then everything else that that does to a program about basically starting from zero all over again. Well, you can take some of that money or all of that money and in the right, you know, you convince the right people, it can get directed towards players. Players have a lot of control. Well, schools, schools can't give the money directly. Schools can't give the money. It's got to be, it's got to be from outside sources. It's uh, you know, you can't shift athletic department funds into NIL. Uh, it's got to be given to NIL. And, um, you know, it sounds like, based on what Coach Pittman said yesterday, that there may be some things coming down the pike in that regard. And I think the NIL and the portal are different even than they were 12 months ago. I think it's. Uh, I think we are in the midst of a sea change in college sports and the way that college football players are recruited. And I think that's going to be very evident uh, starting December 4th. Oh, I got a pretty chill Thanksgiving planned here. I think Matt does too. C-Unit, you just got to watch over the pup over Thanksgiving. We got the voice of the Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett, with us here for another segment. Chuck, you got, uh, it's a short week, not just for football coaches and football players, but for those who call the games too, plus Thanksgiving. So what's a Chuck Barrett Thanksgiving like when you got a football game the next day? Well, it's going to begin with a high noon conversation with Sam Pittman as uh, we record the pregame show, and then there'll be a little food in the afternoon. But uh, not Thanksgiving. Uh, it's nice when you play at home on Friday. Generally, it's a travel day if you don't. Chuck, did you watch the game last night against the Eagles and the Chiefs? I did not see any of it last night. I saw the highlights today. It looks like it was a heck of a ball game. Yeah, they, they look like the two best teams in, in the league. They may I mean, be. Philly, Philly's so talented, that defense. And then the Chiefs can get stops, too. They just All I could watch was the last couple of drives, like the last 10 minutes. And so what is up with, with Kansas City's drops? Like, Mahomes is making these great throws, and it's, I mean, they it just was tough for them to catch it. I guess the ball might have been a little slick. One of those drops, you could see his eyes looking at the defender. They, they, they get. I think Kelsey did it too. Both times when you saw a replay, it looked like they were kind of noticing. You got to keep your eye on the ball and just you, you know you're getting hit. And so it's uh, 
Yeah, it's 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 if it was easy, everybody'd be doing it. It's tough sometimes. No kidding. No kidding, especially when you're about is to there, hit. Chuck, it, it's rivalry week in, in in college football. Will you watch the Michigan Ohio State game? What 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 kind of what as a football fan, what what games will you watch this week? You know, I'm looking forward to that on Saturday to watch everybody else play. Yeah, I'll I'll watch some of the Michigan Ohio State game. I'll channel surf all day. But I've always liked the Michigan Ohio State game. Uh, I I have I'm I'm, I'm not a big fan of either team just to be perfectly honest with you mm-hmm. and i don't care for the big 10 but for some reason i've always i mean for me it goes back to like when archie griffin played at uh played at ohio state so um i don't know who i root for i always kind of figure it out as the game goes on but i'll watch part of that game and then i'll channel surf around and watch other games too i feel like i got a hard time rooting for harbaugh right now I mean, I, I, maybe in some cases, Chuck, I do a little more rooting against than rooting for. I think in this case, that might be what I'll, how I'll view that. You know, um, this is going to sound kind of strange, but I don't pay enough attention to the Big Ten during the season to really get up in arms about it. I know what they've done. I know they've been caught. Um, I know that this is probably Harbaugh's last year at Michigan, regardless of how all this turns out. Um, it's a strange deal the way it's gone. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan just got caught cheating, pure and simple. Now, if somebody in the SEC had done it, I, I mean, I'm sure we'd have talked about it every day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a – I know there are a lot of people that are going to be rooting against Jim Harbaugh, that's for sure. Well, you, you get Florida State versus Florida, and Florida State's quarterback's out. They're, they're the yeah. f- number four team right now. How much is the committee – are you looking at this backup quarterback and how they look against Florida? I guess they'll they'll take on Louisville. Is that how the ACC does their, yeah, their championship game? Yeah, they're going to play game? Louisville. I mean, they're if they're undefeated, are, are, are they still – do you think they get in with a backup quarterback? Well, I don't know how you can knock them out, although I guess it, you know, it could be done. Uh, Washington is certainly a possibility to do that. Uh, now, they've got Washington State, and Washington State's not real good this year. So, I mean, they, uh, it's a game Washington certainly should win. I think Oregon, when they play Oregon State mm-hmm. on uh, Friday night, I don't think that's a layup. I don't think in good conscience you could put a one-loss Oregon team in over an undefeated Florida State team, in, you know, if they beat Louisville in the ACC championship game. So I would see, uh, I would see um, Washington as a possibility to move into that fourth spot. I think, I think that's a possibility. But they're really the only team I see right now that can knock them out minus a loss against either Florida or in the ACC championship game. And look, I don't think either one of those is a given for Florida State. Um, you know, the the in-state rivalries are a big deal. And strange things happen in those in-state rivalry games. And there's a bunch of them coming up. And so I wouldn't rule Florida out, um, even though it seems right now like they wouldn't be able to pull that one off. They are playing in their home stadium. And when the Florida kids are playing one another, um, it's a whole different deal. The, these next two weeks are the best in college football because it's going to work itself out. You're going to get Bama, so, uh, Georgia matchup. I mean, there's going to be so so many. There's about five or six just games you got to watch. The only yeah. year that it works itself out though, because next year everything changes. Next year, yeah. Next year, Chuck. If it was now, um, Arkansas is playing to keep Missouri out of the 12 team playoff, and so is Mississippi State against Ole Miss. Well, Oregon and yeah. Washington are both in. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder. Uh, um, 
because yes, we would be talking about those teams getting in the playoffs. Um, I don't know that we'd be seriously talking about them winning a national championship, though. And um, you know, the playoffs going to have more teams in it next year, but this isn't basketball. And I don't think you're going to see a three- or four-week Cinderella the way you do in uh, basketball. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be exciting when it happens. Yeah. But just getting to the playoff um, doesn't mean you're playing for the national championship necessarily, even though I'm sure you'll say you are. Yeah, there ain't going to be no Coastal Carolina College World Series or Fresno State in Omaha or anything like that, I think, for football. Well, you, you know, I'll just, I'll just take last year as an example. If you'd had a 12-team playoff, do you think TCU would have gotten to the title game? I don't. That's a good question. I mean, they did beat. I don't. They did beat Michigan, though. I mean, that that I understand that for something. I, I but 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 they'd had to have won another game too. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I don't I don't I don't know. Uh, Georgia to me was the best team in the country, but not like sixty-five to nothing better or whatever it turned out to be. I mean, it was. Uh, um, the one thing that I do kind of like about the expanded playoff is um, I don't know. You know, if schools like Oregon and Washington are at the same level as, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, I know what their records are, and I know what their offensive numbers look like. But, I mean, you can put up good numbers against air, and some weekends that's what you're doing out there almost. I realize that's an embellishment, but my point is is, is they don't they don't face the same things that some teams in other conferences do. I mean, I guess we'll find that out when they go to the Big Ten next year. I may be wrong, but um, I just don't think those teams are as strong. Let's hit the McClarty Daniel hotline. we got Keith in Fort Smith. Hey, Keith, you got Chuck Barrett here. How you doing today? Hey, doing well, boys. Just want to say uh, appreciate y'all's coverage of the Razorbacks. Uh, want to talk about Sam's deal here. Uh, I know I hadn't called in. Everybody's been on pins and needles waiting to see what old Keith's going to say. But uh, bottom line here is I see that Hunter picked the lesser two evils. One evil would have been God knows who, who's about the same uh, caliber or less, probably, based on what I've heard, because everybody else is looking at every other place but Arkansas, at least it seemed. Um, you're going to blow up the... You're going to blow up the, the recruiting class that's, that's not leading the SEC. I get that. But you go in there and you're top 25 from what I've seen for this upcoming class in 24. We got that big JUCO uh, lineman. So my whole point on the whole situation is, you know, I, I stand with Hunter. I don't agree with it. I think I think you're kind of kicking the can down the road. I think we'll be here next year saying the same conversation, but I hope I'm wrong. You know, cover three or cover six, whatever it was, that little podcast group, three of them boys have no sense. And one of them, now I'm going to agree with the one that had sense, said he's buying low uh, on Sam going in next year because he thinks that this is just a bad hire and a bad set of situation. And then this is the same guy got us nine wins two years ago. So story, the whole story on this is, you know, I stand with the Razorbacks. I think Hunter's got... Uh, playing a long game here, you, you, you roll the ball out again in a, in a new SEC. See how it goes. Try to try to keep man the fort and see see how much you don't have to burn down. Uh, but anyway, I just think uh, I'm hoping to see Sam 
turn it out next year, do well. Our non-conference schedule is going to be a butt whoop, I think, uh, considering what we all got to do with the new SEC. But anyway, boys, appreciate you guys. I'm rooting for Sam, rooting for Hunter. I want to say that this is the, the cooler heads prevail. And the other thing I'm going to say is if you're in the northwest Arkansas area and you ain't got uh, Farmer Electra circa 1996 at your house, you better be at the dang stadium and you better be uh, calling the hogs like I will because if we let Missouri come in here and, and Drake Wits come in here with his nerd, all of his nerd energy and all of his uh, never scored a touchdown in his life, all the energy that he's got, we are doing ourselves, and we're doing our program a disservice. Go to the game, be loud, drink a little bit. We need to be at the game, support our kids, and support our school. I'll be there with my family and my granddaughter of two years old. She'll be there bundled up. So get your tail to the game, and don't let Drinkwitz run his little nerd mouth, uh, and I'll bite all his nerd stuff. Go Hogs. Thank you very much, Keith. See, I think right there, Keith summed up what a lot of people feel. I mean, from, you know, I don't agree with it to, by golly, I'm going to be there. And, um, you know, I realize that people have a lot of different views on this. But, um, you know, I'll look forward to seeing Keith at the game if I run into him. So, I mean, so uh, opinions come in, and, and, and the opinions that we get on the show are coming from the outside. And, and my, my nature, Chuck, is to think about why Hunter Urichek makes the decision to keep Sam Pittman, and there's a there's a there's a personal relationship between the two of them. There's there's a professional relationship between the two of them, and he hired him for a reason that isn't just about buying low. I think in <clears throat> in that podcast's mind, um, you know, you, you hired him to turn a program around for a certain reason. Um, you do have one really successful season, and then one that you know, last year that was that was okay. This is not very good, but it's giving another opportunity to the same man. To try to, you know, kind of what happened two years ago, build up from not, it's not ashes because this isn't what he inherited. Well, I, th- I think he's got away a lot of factors. Um, some we know about, some are obvious, and some probably have never crossed our minds, just, just to be real blunt. And I'm sure all those factors were weighed. And he has made the decision that he has made, and people are going to weigh in, and that's only natural. Uh, but he is going to be the coach next year, and I, um, you know, I, I keep going back to what I said earlier. You know, in our conversation, um, let's watch what happens over the next week, ten days, as we get into this portal period, because I think that's going to tell the story, frankly, of whether or not he's got a chance to do all the things that we're talking about. Um, let's see when all the dust settles here, what the roster is going to look like. Because I think there's going to be some serious upgrades at places. I know they're going to make every effort to do that. And it sounds like they may be better equipped to do that than they were before. Celebrate the magic of Christmas at the Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in the historic Venetian dining room this Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. From 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., your Christmas dinner includes a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12 dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6 eat free. Reservations required must have a credit card to hold reservation. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com dining for reservations and complete menu items. 
You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Right now, Eastside Liquor has a truckload of eggnog, winter seasonal beers, stouts and liquors, rum chata, moonshake creams, and more. Don't forget about the hog bourbon decanters. Come by the drive-thru or walk inside to see Dave and his team at Eastside Liquor, 9390 in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. I get a chance to talk with Courtney Mims from Pig Trail Nation Pinch hitting for Alyssa today. She's hosting the uh, women's basketball luncheon with Mike Neighbors. In fact, I just saw a photo uh, with the two of them sitting next to each other. We'd rather have you on anyway, Courtney. How are you today? <laughs> oh, you guys are too sweet to me. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on and filling for Alyssa. I mean, I'm sure the luncheon is great, but I'd rather be talking to you guys. See, so. that's the right answer. She knows how to. She knows how to. She knows how to soothe an ego, Matt. Um, we we're talking in-state rivalries just a moment ago. Uh, we actually had a text in from a listener a moment uh, ago, too. This literally just came in. Uh, Jim in Mountainburg says, Florida beats Florida State. How much fun would you have with that? Oh, Jim <laughs> in Mountainburg. I, I like you a lot. I don't know who you are, but I like you a lot. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. But, hey, battle of the backup QBs. Maybe it will. I mean, I watched Tate Roadmaker play. I was actually in Panama City Beach, and we did a story on him when he was the backup for them, gosh, in like 2021, 2020. So he's been there for a while. He's been waiting his turn, and he got some action um, years ago. You know, I think it was that 2021 season that he got some action. Um, But, again, I mean, it could be an interesting battle. I, I don't know. I mean, anything can happen in these rivalry games. It's in the swamp which I like. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have a lot of uh, Gator faithful showing up for the game, and it's, it's going to be a good one, I think. I, I, who knows what could happen? There's been so many crazy things that happen on Rivalry Week. Am I right? Oh, it's going to be a great weekend. Rivalry Weekend's uh, it's, it's a great weekend. Do you think, Courtney, do you think any of these Michigan distractions with Coach Harbaugh, how, how do you see that Ohio State-Michigan? That could be, uh, I mean, you're getting two top five teams uh, matching up right there. Oh, you do. And I, I like that matchup a lot this week. I, I don't think you have any distractions with this Michigan team. We've seen how they battled through the adversity of this season. And, and we, we just saw the emotion uh, of their coach and, uh, or, or I guess their interim coach when he filled in for uh, Jim Harbaugh not being there. I mean, we, we've seen how they battle for him. And I just think that there's no, you can't really say there's distractions because if anything, this is kind of, helping them a little bit in my opinion i feel like they're they have something to play for they have something to go out there and fight for uh with uh, harbaugh not being there so i don't think there's really any distractions there i think you, you have two great teams going up against each other ohio state i feel like this season has not lived up to their expectations in the fact that in some games, they've shown their weaknesses, and we've seen that just in a few matchups this year. So who knows what, what kind of Ohio State team will show up. But I think, again, you look at that matchup and you can't say that neither of those teams are, are fantastic. And um, you, you just love to see two powerhouses in college football go up against each other. Because even though Ohio State, and I put in quotes, has not lived up to some of their expectations. I feel like they're still obviously a powerhouse team this year, and that's going to be a good matchup and one I'll, one I'll be interested to see what happens in this weekend. Under what circumstances do you think Arkansas has a chance to upset Missouri on Friday? 
Oh, gosh. I mean, you got to look about motivation. I think now it goes down to mindset. And anybody who has played uh, any college sport knows that you've got to be in the correct mindset going into this one. I like what I saw in the postgame press conference. I think it was Brady Latham who even said it where he was like, you know, we're excited for this game. The locker room's excited for this game. No one wants to go out there and not play. So I think that that is a great mindset to be in. Again, I've talked to Mike Aron about this, and he's skeptical on that mindset. So uh, we'll see what, what kind of Razorback team shows up against this Missouri team. But I think when you really, really look at it, there is still a lot to play for. And I know that they're not playing for a bowl game, okay, but can you imagine going in and to Razorback Stadium and upsetting your rival in Missouri, a team that's trying to get to 10 wins on the season, a, tre- a team that still wants to play in a New Year's Six Bowl, and, and going in there and upsetting them, a ranked opponent, I mean, that really would be a nice end to a season that just hasn't lived up to expectations in the slightest, has been kind of a mess since it began. So to go in and have and get a victory would be huge for this team. But it but it all comes down to how they start and how they play. If they come out flat, I mean, there's no way they're winning that game. If they come out like they did against Auburn, absolutely not. They're not going to win. And it may be a, a crazy, awful blowout. But if they come out and play like they did against Florida, I mean, that's what you're kind of, you want to see that team show up for this matchup. And I think we're going to find out very quickly in that game which team has shown up to play. Is that is it the one that we saw in the Swamp or is it the one we saw against the Tigers in Razorback Stadium? How big would that be? You know, that our, our offense, we could get it going on. Coach Pittman, it'd be our first win over a, a team going to a bowl this year. Uh, be big time. Hey, Courtney, you, you get um, – oh, I – Yes, sorry. Okay, you get Arkansas at Stanford uh, in, in the battle at the Atlantis there. What, what, what are your thoughts on this basketball team, what you've seen uh, so far? Yeah, I, I've seen a really great team, and people are going to, you know, I know there are people out there that saw that UNC Greensboro loss and went, oh, no, oh, no, this, uh, you know, hey, this is, this is already riding on the wall. They're not going to make it in the tournament. I don't see anything uh I don't see a team that, that it went in that matchup and wanted to lose it or anything like that. So I think that the people who are freaking out over that loss don't really understand college basketball because you guys know my dad's been a, a D2 coach and coaching the, in the pros for a long time. And, and there's something about college basketball where this we're in such a unique time of it too because of COVID. We're still seeing the effects of that. Uh, where rosters were overloaded and guys taking another year. And so the D1 talent didn't just up and disappear. They just didn't have room for these guys on Power 5 rosters. So they went to other schools, lower-tier D1 teams, even D2 teams. So we're still seeing kind of the effects of what COVID has done even in college basketball, and it's kind of uh, spread around the talent, uh, so to speak, and to UNC Greensboro, to other teams like Old Dominion, things like that, where – they have legitimate talent on these rosters, and, and now you're seeing it. So I don't think that uh, the loss was any cause for concern. This team is still an incredibly talented team, and I think they just need to work out those kinks early on. Something about Musselman's teams that can make them so good is the turnover that he has, the kind of roster redo, but kind of the downfall of that is how 
early on can you get these guys to gel with each other? How early on can you get them to click on the same cylinders? And so that's what you're seeing still happen with this this team right now. And I don't think, again, no, don't uh, pull the fire alarm. Don't freak out just yet on this team. They're a very, very, very talented team. Uh, I love that the depth on it. I love that you different guys can step in and fill a role, you know, one of the things I've always said, uh, or I've, I said since the beginning of the season, I guess, is I wonder who's going to step up in kind of that center position for them. That was one that I kind of had a little bit of concern about going into the year. You have so many guards, but do you have a big man? And, and is it going to be Trevin Brazil? Can he fill that? Can Makai Mitchell be consistent? Those are some of the questions I still have about this team, but I think they'll be answered moving on throughout the season. And especially uh, in Atlanta this week, because I mean, you have a Stanford team that's that's not a bad uh, talent to go up against this year, and so you're going to find out a lot of things in that game too. And looking at that entire bracket, you have teams who who are talent loaded, so they're going to be tested uh, over in the Bahamas, and I'm excited to see how they handle those tests, especially coming off of a loss that the team didn't feel good about, Coach Musselman didn't feel good about. So how do you respond? How do you go and and combat that and go into this week and, and get some wins. And I'd, I'd really like to see them do that. And so we'll see what happens uh, this week. But this will be a great test for them, for sure. I think what some fans are a little nervous about with basketball might not necessarily be, you know, they, you know, they lost to Greensboro. I mean, that, that, there's a lot of upsets right now going on in home buildings across college basketball. I think some of it is, you know, you um, <clears throat> must in the offseason seemingly fix that, they were a team last year that didn't really shoot the three very well. You know, you got, you got guys who can shoot the three, but what this has left is potentially a team that has trouble guarding the three. And, and so this is, this is to me like partially what the non-conference is about. And certainly for us, this is figuring out, you know, what your seven to seven man rotation looks like, but now also how, how do you take what you view your rotation and improve in an area right now that there is noticeable room to improve, you know, he's not a coach really that goes to the zone. Some people have, have said, what about a zone? I think that there could be a problem once you get into the SEC and certainly in the tournament, because they got, te- they got guys that can shoot from all sorts of spots from past that three point line. And th- that's what I'm, that's the thing that I see on Friday that can be a team's undoing in March. And I, th- I think that might be in some fans' minds. Yeah, and I think I think you're exactly right about that. They these these uh, lower tier D1 teams are exposing kind of this team's weakness early on, right? They're they're show showcasing, hey, this is where you're struggling, and and like you said, uh, guarding the three is certainly somewhere that you want to see improve. But it is so early on that I think that's something that when you talk about how do you improve on it, well, it goes through, and you 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 improve on it through practice, a, but b going up against teams that challenge that area. And you're going to get that early on in this non-conference schedule. Like you said, you're going to get teams that come in here and, and try and test you in those weaknesses and, and test you on those weak spots. And that's how I want to see this team respond because there, there is going to be a, a moment where they either step up to that challenge or they don't. And we're going to see that. I mean, again, you have the battle for Atlantis and then you have Duke. Uh, coming in at the end of the month. And so uh, that, to me, you, you're going to be tested this week and then also when you face Duke uh, very heavily. We're going to f- find out 
what this team really is made of, even before we hit that SEC slate, which is kind of great in terms of, hey, Coach Musselman, you're going to, you're going to know what this team needs to work on pretty quickly. But also, I mean, for the fans, it's just kind of a, a stressful thing because you're going up against this talent. You don't want to see this team lose. Uh, they don't want to lose. But you, you, there's a good chance that, that uh, all of these teams can go in and, and upset them on any given day. So uh, I, think it, I think you're right on that this is the time to figure it out. But, man, you wish you had a little bit easier non-conference schedule uh, to figure it out in because even their lower-tier D1 teams are good teams. I even said that before the season started. I went, man, they have a really tough non-conference schedule and throw out the Duke games, throw out the Purdue exhibition, throw out you know uh, the Battle for Atlantis tournament. You know, you have other teams coming in that are that are better than I think people believe, and so. Yeah, it's a tough non-conference schedule, but you hope that that just proves that this team uh, can be some, a threat when it comes to SEC uh, play and then uh, obviously the postseason in March. Courtney, I want to close on on um, on a thought that might, you know, your your experience at Florida kind of dig into that a little bit because now <laughs> you have, well, you, you've, you've experienced these, these last few weeks for Arkansas football have really been interesting in I mean, but we go through these this cycle every four or five years at Arkansas, meaning changing coaches in football. You know, and you've been around uh, a Florida program that has changed coaches almost the same amount, I think, in the same time as Arkansas over the last few years. Are the conversations amongst fans the same? You know, I mean, you talk about the expectations of programs, and I feel like Florida, because of we can still throw out the term recent history, you know, has maybe a different set of expectations, but man, it's just it's just tough to crack through when you view yourself as a national champion, right? In this league, yeah. And for Arkansas, do you do you have the same sense of it's the same conversation because it feels to me like it it's it's different expectations. I feel like, and, and you're right in a sense of that there is different expectations just because of Florida with the fact that in just I, recent history feels wrong to say, but it is like recent history where you think about Tim Tebow and, and those guys and, and, and what they were able to accomplish. And you have the, the uh, Gator documentary coming out on Netflix and now it's rejuvenated, like, oh, we should be back to that greatness. So I feel like that's where you're getting fans just with higher, I think, expectations. But to be honest with you, it's very similar now at Arkansas because the conversations, like you said, the coaching changes have been very similar in recent years. I was there at Florida for the um, for McElwain. I was there for Mullen, and I was there for for Napier. So I saw all of those coaching changes happen and the downfall of each of those coaches. And so when you look at it, yes, it is about expectations, and it's hard to be – it's hard to coach at a place like Florida because of those – insanely high expectations and and you have Steve Spurrier who's at your practices almost all the time and he's looking at you going what what's going on why 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 are we not uh, back to winning every single game and and being in the SEC championship so so there is a lot of pressure there and that's where I think you get a lot of pressure from the fans too and the funny thing about it is you know a lot of people have asked me is Billy Napier on the hot seat and and I've said quite frankly based on what I've seen from fans, message boards, all of that, 
No, because he he still has an opportunity to turn this thing around. And they were promised when he came in, this wasn't going to be a quick fix. This is going to be, I need to build something. So give me a couple of years to show you what I can do, to show you that I can build something kind of similar to what Mike Norvell has been doing at FSU. And so they weren't quick to, you know, they were very quick after his second season to go, oh gosh, burn everything. Oh my gosh, we're, we're not good. We're, we're, this guy was a bad hire and they just had to give it just a little bit of time. And so that's what I think Florida fans are kind of looking at that example and going, all right, don't push the panic button just yet. We're going to go and we're going to see what he can do. He's still bringing in top recruiting classes. I think one or two is what they were ranked uh, coming into next season. And I I don't know if that's still the ranking, but that was what a lot of fans were telling me when I was there. We still want to give him another opportunity because he's bringing in these top-ranked recruiting classes, and we want to see what he can do with them. So I think he has saved his job a little bit just by the recruiting aspect. But it's Sam Pittman, and, and you bring that conversation into it. You know, Sam Pittman has had time, right? And I get where the fans are frustrated because you, you're seeing this, you know, you've, you've had a coach that's come in here and, and been better than you expected. And now this season was not what you guys expected, but that happens sometimes. Now, if it happens on a consistent basis, then whew, you, you got an issue. But for right now, I can see where Hunter Juracek is coming from, and I can see where the fans are coming from. I'm kind of in the middle there where I'm going, okay, I understand why you guys are upset, but I also understand where they're coming from at a business standpoint of keeping this guy, seeing what he can do next year. This season was kind of crazy in general with Dan you know, getting fired through the season and, and uh, Kenny Guyton stepping in as the interim, and you, you have all these factors going into this season that we just people didn't expect so you give Sam Pittman another shot you say if you knock it out of the park with an OC hire who knows what could happen next year and apparently I mean you guys probably have talked about it on the show but the the NIL promise of things are getting better at Arkansas with that next season kind of gives you some hope that they'll be able to use that money and bring in some top talent and then At that point, we could be having a totally different conversation next year. But I think Arkansas is getting to the point of where they expect greatness every year. And why shouldn't they? They, You look around at every other program on this campus and you see greatness, right? You look at what Dave Van Horn's doing, the Eric Musselman, uh, Courtney Geifel with softball. Uh, You look at what uh, Coach Buck is doing with track and field. and, And so you see greatness all around you. And that's why I think the expectations just get higher and higher for the football team because that, that needs to translate there too, right? That's your, that's your top-tier sport. That it needs to be just as great as everything else. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts 
Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You ever see the Sports Kita website? It's in one of these websites. It's just kind of like uh, almost like trying to be what Bleacher Report was, just list after list after list to get clicks. So they got a list of uh, college football teams that could make a move for Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator. And all of his other things, please don't put Arkansas on that list. No, I do not need him at Arkansas because he was just fired by my NFL team. Um, and I do not need him here. He was at, he's been all around college too. I mean, what NC State, Indiana, uh, LSU, Pitt knows, knows the landscape. Knows the landscape, but I don't know if he's quite sure how to direct an NFL offense. All ten games. Well, I, the the stat I saw last week was they they were playing Cleveland and they they were rushing the ball at six point six yards a carry and they were passing the ball at 2.8 yards per attempt, and mm-hmm. so they decided to pass the ball more than rush. And I was like, yeah, you probably – I don't know if, if you're you, – are you too he, – maybe he's too good looking, you know? Like, maybe he's overqualified. Yeah. He's, Mike Tomlin says this is my decision alone to do. Well, good. Right right time maybe maybe should have happened, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. But I've told you I've, I've, seen, I've seen similarities between Pittsburgh and the NFL – and Arkansas in college football, and there's another one. There's another one where you got rid of your offensive coordinator, and 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 you're hoping that it leads to like a, a saving of the season or whatever. And I tell you what's going to happen it, in that division. Baltimore's about to run away with that division, as tight as it is. Baltimore's about to run away with. It. Well, you don't have a quarterback at Pittsburgh or Cleveland, and yeah, what's or you know, Cincinnati. Cincinnati for that matter, yeah. Well, wait, is there, and, and, and it'd be interesting to see what Bill King has to say, but is there a domino effect uh, in college football as far as, you know, is A&M and Mississippi State going to find out their coaches before we find out our OC? Like, how, how, does, the, how does the chain of events happen? Who are we looking for? It's an interesting question to ask, Matt, because yeah. I think when you look at this, like, who's doing the interviewing? Like Sam Pittman doesn't have the time now to do the interviewing. And the portal's like, open December six. Is that what we said? You know how 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 soon do we want our OC in here to go get that portal? Yeah, you want it pretty quickly, don't right? you? Right. That's yeah. I just wonder what what falls what happens first. Part of it is like who's available. I mean, you, you can also poach. I mean, we you went through the whole rigmarole of of Kendall Bryles flirting with this or that school over the previous two years. So you know, go out and find the right guy. Who that is right now, I don't know. I'd be surprised if they keep Kenny Guyton on as offensive coordinator. You know, I mean, you keep can can you take you take him? I mean, that's what happened with uh, Carnell Williams, right? Interim head coach, and now he's and he was just you know kind of put back as an assistant coach to stay on with the guys that, that obviously a, played for him very hard last year after the firing of Harson. And I thought that was a great move by Hugh Freeze. I thought that was the only move. Uh, those players, man, if you have somebody who can relate the message, convey the message, whoever that can be, and Kenny G seems to be that guy, you, you got to keep those guys around because that that's how the that's what the, the the higher level you go in sports the the more psychological it is the more it's just have them feeling good have them wanting to play have them emotionally invested in it and so if if he can do that yeah I mean because the, the players 
Uh, and, and then it just gives you another mouth. It gives you another mind. It gives you somebody else in the meeting rooms. So keep him as the, as the receiver coach. Absolutely. But at A&M and Mississippi State, I would just assume there's going to be total turnover as far as the coaches. Are 100% turnover. Huh? turnover. Yeah. The coaches bring in their own guys, their own strength coach. And, and yeah. But Bobby P's out there for somebody then. Bobby P. I mean. I don't he, see it happening at Arkansas. No. No. I really don't. Not And not only because of the the hiring rule that was instituted. I, I find it so fascinating just the two avenues, the two different avenues and approaches Mississippi State and Texas A&M are going to have in approaching how they get and coming to the conclusion of who their next head football coach is going to be because like you said, it's a total washout whenever that happens and and they're going to be, they're like, they're almost operating on two different planets and then with the type of money and to see you know, do you have to go get a young up and comer, or do you go get somebody who's proven like Rich Rodriguez or Bobby Bobby Petrino, or you know, if, you, if, if you're Mississippi State? Well, in terms of uh, who's doing the hiring there, like Bjork and Selman, the two athletics directors, they've got a head start in terms of you know who they're laying out as potential possibilities. Maybe conversations with agents already have begun. I'm sure they have. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for an offensive coordinator and you're the coach, the coach does the hiring in this case. I mean, you got to get it cleared by Hunter Juracek, but this is Sam Pittman's hire. Gus Malzahn even at Mississippi State, you know, somebody who's who talk about knowing the landscape and being able to recruit the state of Florida, being a little unconventional, being being able to bring a quarterback in. You know, if you're, if you're a young quarterback, you want to go play for Gus. I do wonder about who A&M goes after. Because if you went after a national championship winning coach and literally threw more money than anybody had seen in college football at him, and now you've got the I don't know if the weight of the of the payout or the buyout is all is an albatross around a and M's neck. How they were given a one hundred and sixty million dollar check, literally handed a giant one hundred and sixty million dollar check at the halftime of Fisher's last game. Well, then a $75 million buyout is not even half of that. So that's no albatross. That, that, is, that is literally taking a giant sum of money and burning half of it and then taking the other half, and who knows what they can do with that. How cutthroat is it, though? A&M don't care, do they? They do not care. Would you classify that? You classify that as a baller move, don't that's, you? That's OG right there. Mm. So at... At at A uh, and M, what are they playing for? They get LSU. What are you playing for there? I mean, there's really not much going on. Is is A and M bowl eligible? They are right. They're they're going to be in both a bowl teams game. are bowl eligible, so they'll yeah. end up playing in a bowl game. So you're just playing out to play to finish the season. And Mississippi State, they're playing to get to a bowl game. I mean, if those guys want to keep playing, they beat Ole Miss. It's not just you know, ruining Ole Miss's chance of 10 wins. I it's also them, getting new a bowl game. With with the SEC, them and Florida both being 5-7, and seven, they, there's a, sometimes a 5-7 and seven team starts to get in because what Vanderbilt and Arkansas, um, they're not making it. I, I'm trying to think other teams in the SEC that aren't going to make a bowl game besides Florida and Mississippi State. Well, I think outside of the two you mentioned, those they're, they're the only two that so that's, have that's zero the four, chance. That's the four, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Florida, Mississippi State. Yeah, that's it. That, so that, that really those, is it. One of those five and seven teams. They, if you don't have enough, you know, enough teams make it. One of those teams might get in. I seen. I got to check on on the ACC standings here for a moment because I saw. Yeah, Wake Forest is four and seven. There's a guy who I know who runs a a, a sports media organization that's national. South Carolina is in that list too. Okay. Yeah. Um, this guy's on the 
Uh, his name's Dave Gorin. He's on the he's on the Wake Forest sidelines for the radio broadcast. Well, Wake Forest is four and seven, right? And if there aren't enough six win teams, what do you do? You go to the five and seven teams mm-hmm. and their APR rankings, their grades. I mean, Wake Forest has won once in the last seven games. That only win coming against Pitt. Oh my goodness! Right. Pitt beat Louisville. Pitt, Pitt should be playing in the, in the Final Four. That's I mean, anything can happen. Wake Forest could still play in a bowl game. This friend of mine, he was showing on his Facebook last night all of the possibilities that could lead to Wake Forest being a bowl team. So when you're in that position and you're one of the one of the more uh, exclusive schools to get into, be like, hey, guess what, boys? You guys win five, we may very well go bowling. That's a selling point, isn't it? Selling point of being less than mediocre and still making it. Getting a degree from Wake Forest. Getting the degree from Wake Forest. That's right. That's exactly right. Man, I mean, you go to, if you finish the season five and seven, you better better find out pretty quickly that you're the team that's going. Otherwise, guys just start to disperse, make their decisions, make their announcements. Exit meetings are, are really fast. They happen quick. I mean, they happen within... If you play on the road to at home, I mean, it's, it it happens all within 96 hours. You know, like you think about kind of the players that are really going and then the players that are going off season or what you're doing. Yeah. It can be hard conversations to have and they quick. have to happen really fast. Happens, huh? Yeah. Happens quick. You've seen some videos of those really like during hard knocks. You see somebody getting cut. And uh, those conversations don't really seem to last more than five, six minutes. It's exactly like uh, one of the things they got right in Moneyball. Uh, he said, just tell them what's up. Here you go, man. Appreciate your service. You're going to be fine out there. Good luck. So that's, I don't think I don't think one of the things Major League got right was the pink slip in your locker. Well, that, that sometimes you'll have a pink slip in your locker. But, yeah, it's just, hey, man, thank you for your service. Thank you for your time. Um we're going to move on and we wish you well. You're, you're, you'll, you'll be a fine player. You know, that's, that's just all, that's just how it goes. What are you going to do? I remember George Carlin joke. He was talking about, I didn't have got a pink slip. What's these pink slips things? No, some guy came over to my desk and yelled at me. He said, get the F out of here. I was getting fired for him. Might be getting fired on the radio too. If I were to use the rest of that word. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. 
visit them at kevinhickeylaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Bill King hosting on Nashville Sports Radio every Monday through Friday, 6 to 9, unless it's this week, because just like us, no show Thursday, no show Friday. So let's just be watching a heck of a lot of college football during the middle of the day. Uh, good afternoon, Bill. How are you? Hey, guys. Doing well. Got a favorite rivalry for this time of the year? And I don't just mean because of the game and the matchup this year, but is there a rivalry for you that stands out amongst the most? And I only mean the ones that are played this week. This is arguably the biggest Michigan-Ohio State game ever because of the added bad blood. It's already incredibly toxic, but because of all the other stories, two undefeated teams, so everything's on the line. Before that, probably the 06 game. That was one versus two. And speculation was back then, whoever loses that game could still play the other one in the BCS championship. Didn't happen. Florida played them and beat the Buckeyes. I'd have that in the one slot. But historically, I don't know that there's one. The most underrated to me is the Egg Bowl, which is Thursday. I think that's vastly underrated outside of the, the region. Bill, one that I was looking at that's kind of very, very interesting is that Kentucky-Louisville matchup. Do you think Kentucky can cause some problems there for Louisville? This Kentucky team has lost their fabric. And Stoops has done a wonderful job there, but this is not a tough guy team. This team does not play well defensively. It's not as physical as you'd like. The Devin Leary experimented quarterback that I absolutely endorsed and thought would work quite well has been average at best. They don't really do much well, and it looks like he doesn't have this football team. I'm not sure he's got the attention of this team. It would take Kentucky's best day and Louisville's worst day, I would think, for that to be an upset. Same in the Iron Bowl. I mean, I, how, I, how can you explain what New Mexico State did to Auburn after what we saw Auburn do here in Fayetteville the week before? I know the sport doesn't always make sense, and matchups are part of it, but that one made no sense to me. Is there any way, like, Freeze gets them... They should be fired up to play in this game. They get it at home. I mean, they can they can knock Alabama out of a maybe a chance to make it to the Final Four. I mean, is that going to be a game? Nick is 500 at Auburn. He's 4-4. Four and four. It's been a problem for him, and he's lost a couple of times to Hugh Freeze when he was at Ole Miss. There's history. I don't think the players will dictate a similar outcome, but I will say this. Dear Alabama, you should expect at Auburn to get Auburn's Georgia game. Remember that game where they played well and fought them yeah. um, as well as you could fight Georgia? Yeah, 27 That's what 20. I was prepared for. Yeah. I, that's, I don't think this past week is a predictor of the Auburn effort against a team, again, you obsess over every day and every second of the year. But, but it goes both ways, obviously. I don't think it's enough to beat Alabama, but I would anticipate Auburn not being sloppy. If you're a coach at either Michigan or Ohio State or you're a coach at Auburn, I don't know if this is how Nick Saban views it at Alabama, are you constructing your team specifically for that last game of the year, you know, we're going to have, this is a team that is going to beat Ohio State, or this is a team that is going to beat Alabama. I know you got another 11 other games to worry about, but if you build a team to beat those teams, everything should take care of itself. 
Yes. Now, I know Michigan, this last, uh, let's say, non-playing portion of the season, what I call it, they talked a lot about Georgia. That, that being the, the threshold, right? That, that being the, the, the top of the mountain. But, yes, if you're Ohio State, Michigan, you are doing something about the other team every day. It might be what the strength coach is telling you about as you're squatting. But there is something going on about that other team every day. Absolutely. Bill Hunter, your check came out, gave uh, a vote of confidence to Coach Pittman. Uh, you get OU and Texas coming into the to the SEC next year. When, when, and who uh, with the transfer portal opening up really soon uh, does Arkansas start, begin, finish this this search for the OC? Who do you think it is, and how how soon do you like? Is there a domino effect? When do you think it? Does other things have to happen, or are they just trying to go out and get the right guy uh, within the next two weeks? I think, obviously, it's got to be somebody who fits Sam Pittman's style. And it's going to be based on physicality. Now, that doesn't mean you just run, you know, become a Cro-Magnon man when it comes to offense. I'm not saying that at all. Obviously, you need to be balanced. But it's an attractive job. It's Arkansas. Arkansas has got plenty of money. You can get players there. A little down on that right now, probably, but... It's a very attractive job. Now, who that's going to be, I don't really have a good feel for that. I read what anybody else might read, but it's it's a fairly attractive job. I will say this. The odds are against Sam Pitt. Uh, long, if, if you want to just broaden the scope out and just get beyond right now, where Arkansas is in the moment, where this league is in the moment, where this league is heading into the future, is a scary proposition for Arkansas. A lot's got to change for them to make this success. A lot. Well, let's look at some of the coaches that came in at the same time that Sam Pittman did in the SEC. Obviously, you know, we can't bring up Mike Leach, but in terms of Ole Miss and, and Missouri, those are two programs that we all view Arkansas at about the same level. I mean, not this year, but in terms of where they right. sit in the packing order, you know, but the, right. the thing is, is you know, uh, Kiffin's a great play caller. So is so is Drinkwitz. But there's the feeling that they have the weight of, in Missouri's case, state NIL laws behind them. Whatever the Grove Collective is doing at Ole Miss is working magic for them. I know Kiffin said, well, we don't have all the five stars Georgia has. But look, these are two programs that are shooting for their 10th regular season wins in the fourth year of these coaches. How much does NIL have to do with that? Because that's the conversation we're having here. We're, Sam Pittman is saying that you're getting NIL aligned properly. It's going to be all going well. That, to me, says it wasn't properly aligned or you weren't. You didn't have the kind of money you needed the last few years. Um, but you, you get examples in, in Ole Miss and Missouri where apparently it is working for them. But the coach is a reason why, too. Yeah, all of that. It's, it's all important. And I think the SEC going division less is going to be harder. I think whatever you think the level of difficulty was is going to be more extreme because of the two teams that are coming into the league. Texas is coming in and they're not limping. Oklahoma is not quite what many people thought they were early this year, but it's still a solid team that's very good in recruiting coming into this league. And that presents more of a problem. It's going to be more difficult to do what you want to do, whoever you are, than ever before. 
Texas kind of scares me the way that they're coming into this league right now. You know, I mean, just a recruiting mammoth that probably only gets stronger because of the league you're joining. Look, they lose maybe the best running back in the country in Jonathan Taylor. The backup goes and... and Five-star from Florida. And runs yeah. crazy, and he's just as good. You know, I mean, this, this to me, it's like Texas has the opportunity to come into this league and, and challenge. We already know they have a win over Alabama, in Alabama. I don't think they'll make the playoff this year, but I think Texas is showing up in this league ready to compete at the highest level and maybe win the league sooner rather than later. Just got a five-star, well, about two weeks ago, Ryan Wingo, a uh, receiver everybody on the planet wanted out of St. Louis. And Missouri was in there with their NIL money. Texas is limitless. Now, historically, did they live up to that? If we're excluding 05 to 09, and then we go back maybe to the 70s, the answer is they don't live up to it. But we do know what they can be. If everything is properly aligned, there's nothing missing there to, to win big. And there's this talk that Quinn Ewers is coming back. I don't know if that's final because there was that talk last week. Blaine Kiffin said Jackson Dart's coming back. And after the game, he said, I haven't made up my mind. You never know about that, but they're coming in very strong. Correct. Bill, if Alabama's 12-1, and meaning they win the Iron Bowl and then they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, are they in the Final Four? Yes. Alabama's in. The question is, does Georgia get left out with a Washington team undefeated, a Michigan-Ohio State team, one of them undefeated, Florida State undefeated? How does the committee factor in the star quarterback, Jordan Travis, done at Florida State with his uh, horrible lower leg injury, foot injury? Will they dock them? They are not the same team with them. And we don't know. We really haven't been into a situation like that yet, guys. A quarterback that is not available, a backup, a kid, the uh, Tate Rotomaker kid is uh, a junior, redshirt junior out of Valdosta, Georgia, South Georgia, who's really never played. Certainly meaningful snaps. And tonight, I usually don't watch that show, but I may be checking that out just to see what they say about Florida State. They got to hope the Rotomaker is the next Cardell Jones, right? We, we relived the Cardell Jones story from 2014. I mean, wow. That, that's, that's just, when you look back at that, that's, that's amazing that Ohio State won with the third stringer against some really good competition. I mean, they had a great roster, too. Um, I don't know if I would you, you wouldn't put Florida State's roster up to that level of the 2014 Buckeyes, right? Yeah, they had Ezekiel Elliott at running back. I mean, some superstar players. The interesting thing about Cardell Jones is after that run and they won the national championship, everybody's saying, man, he ought to just turn pro. He's ready. What a, what a 6'5", he's 240, he's got everything. Comes back, they give him the job for the first game, he never, he never starts again. I mean, that's even more interesting. He didn't even keep the job. That's a 30 for 30 right there. Yeah. 90 for 90, <laughs> I think. Wow. Bill, what's the one thing yeah. on your Thanksgiving plate that you absolutely, well, it won't be on your plate because you won't touch it. What won't you eat on Thursday? Nothing. I mean, because everything is good. My favorite, other than the meat, everything is the gravy. I'm a gravy. I put gravy on. I put gravy in if they let me. I love gravy. Gravy for dessert? Well, maybe not that. Bourbon, bourbon <laughs> for dessert. <laughs> <Maybe not> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Bur- bourbon for dessert. Bill, we'll leave it there. Have a great Thanksgiving. Always appreciate these you visits. Too good. Thanks, Bill. Thanks.
Bill King, Nashville Sports Radio, with us each Tuesday on halftime. It's true. I mean, he's at the point where he he directs what everybody else is eating at the house. So, yeah, he doesn't have to have anything around that he won't eat. But when you're younger, yeah. You're going to put things on your plate that you don't have any choice about. Texas wins out. Oregon wins out. Alabama wins out. You'd have a lot of one-loss teams. Man, wouldn't that just be like the theater that college football needs the year before they go to the the, the playoff 12? Are you rooting for chaos, Matt Jones? That's absolute anarchy right there. I I enjoy sporting chaos. Maybe not societal chaos. Texas, Oregon, and Bama went out. Sounds good. Who's the final four? Who's the final four? Yeah. Get Liberty in there. Undefeated Liberty Flames and Jamie Chadwell. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.